I met the criteria to be selected. But I wasn't. Yes, as our Zoom lady just said there for us on the uh, audio meeting here, recording in progress, we're back, met the criteria, here we are. Unfortunately, that wretched foot sport has reared its ugly head and uh, we're recording very early on a Sunday afternoon because some losers like to watch England go out of every single tournament for, for some reason. <clears throat> the loser, of course, I'm talking about is Vincent. How are you, mate? You're looking forward to the, to the big L coming England? Uh, I, I'm not really fussed about that. Uh, it's, it's, it's not really that big of a deal for me. Just a beautiful day out here. So we are here, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. We're back. That is correct. And also here, probably not that bothered about the football either. It's Theo. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, it's just nice to know again how how low down we sit on Vincent's order of priorities. Mm-hmm. He would rather he's not even that bothered about the football, but he'd just rather be apparently outside or with other friends doing other things that are not this. So, as you listen, boys and girls, over the next hour or so, probably not that that long because Vincent doesn't have enough time. Um, just just bear that in mind that Vincent, whatever he says, he doesn't really care. He's just filling the time. But I'm you, know doing what, good. you know what I love about fear today, people, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you know, but his setup today is unreal. He's sat in his bed, he's got his foot up, relaxing, just chilling it out. He's got his mic wrapped his his face, and he just is looking like he's in a vibe right now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, I've been kicked out of my kitchen, Vincent, because obviously it's the afternoon. I can't just go and disrupt my entire family's afternoon on a whim because Vincent wants to go and watch the football. So I've had to come to the bedroom. You know how it is. There I'm considerate. Is. I'm considerate. Yeah. Anyway, enough references to football. Let's talk about basketball. That's what we're here to talk about. Uh, another fine week of NBA playoffs action. We're now uh, right into the middle, probably, of the uh, conference semifinals. Been some cracking games there so far. Uh, but I think we need to cover... There was one series that we've not quite covered from the first round, which is concluded within the last week. And that's the Los Angeles Clippers against the Dallas Mavericks. The Clippers come out victorious in game seven, perhaps uh, getting rid of some of the uh, ghosts of being a soft team that, you know, can't perform when the pressure's on. Uh, Theo, what did you think of that uh, game seven performance by uh, the Clippers? Yeah, it was, uh, they, they took care of business, didn't they? They, they uh, were, they've been dubious in that series. I had them coming out to make a real statement of intent and they, they, box the Mavericks off in four or five games uh, and obviously didn't shake up that way it was horrendous no wins in the, by the home team until right at the very end in game game seven so uh, they, they took care of business in the end um, Kawhi Leonard just did Kawhi Leonard things I guess he, he's uh, proving consistently that he is probably one of the maybe top top three top two players in the NBA playoffs this year um, taking care of business on both ends, getting it done. Uh, Vinny's all-time favourite, Paul George, he also had a, a good game, proving them haters wrong. Vinny, I, I heard he actually wants to apologise to him. He played that well, particularly in that game seven. So, yeah, uh, they, they did do well, the Clippers. Um, it was, I think it was almost inevitable that this was going to be the result, but it certainly took a lot longer than I expected for him to, to get into that second round. So, Vinny, he's, he's set you up there. With, is the apology forthcoming? No. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to pull to. I'm not going to um, apologize to Pandemic Pete. I'm sorry, I can't. But for me, 
what was more brilliant was Ty Lu. I, I just feel like it really shows you what kind of coach Ty Lu is a very good coach because people were writing the, the Clippers off already, and I was one of the people I just I generally thought the Mavericks would do it. But it just shows you home advantage home court advantage is really quite important. And not well, it is quite important because you, you, it builds up the hand where you think, oh, you know what, we're two games a hand, we're doing really, really well. But then literally Tyloo coached the, uh, the Clippers well, did the job done. Obviously, people like Kawhi Leonard, we all know what he is. Kawhi Leonard is one of the top top five NBA players in the world. You can't deny that. The guy is just a machine. And you've got a supporting cast who are absolutely brilliant. So they've they done their job well. And it's just brilliant to just see Ty Lue, what he's capable of. And I think he's finally showing he's a very, very good coach. He's a championship, in, he's a championship winning coach. So just I think it's just more brilliant than Ty Lue, really. Yeah, I think you got a point there. Certainly, there were some uh, big adjustments that he made in the series, you know, getting rid of the um, fixation, as it were, on shooting threes all the time, just get get to the bucket. There's there's no way that Pozingas and Majanovic are going to stop Paul George and Kawhi Leonard driving in and in. And, and we saw that particularly in game six for, for Leonard with a 45-point performance. And then, obviously, as you say, uh, rounding off the series in game seven. So the Clippers advance, um, maybe some changes in the offseason coming for the Mavericks to continue to build a strong contender around Luka. Uh, whilst we're talking Clippers, they've uh, made a bit of a rad for their own back again in the conference semi-finals. They just have a habit of two, losing the first two games of the series, I should say. Uh, they've done the exact same thing to the Utah Jazz. Now, last night they did manage to get one on the board with a fantastic performance at home. Uh, Vinny, what have you seen from that series so far? How do you think the rest of it's going to play out? Donovan Mitchell is no joke. <laughs> That's what I've kind of took from this series so far. Um for me, Donovan Mitchell is literally in the conversation as one of the best players in this league right now. Um, I know with the NBA, sometimes we, I think we've got a bit of a short-term memory, a lot of us, well, I'm one of those people, where you watch a game last night and you think, my days, this guy is on fire. And then a couple of weeks later, another player's on fire. Obviously, people are writing the story about like, Devin Booker, what he's doing in the series, in the, in the playoffs so far. But for me, Donovan Mitchell is definitely up there above Donovan Mitchell, I mean, uh, Devin Booker right now. I just think what he's been doing is just absolutely, it's just sheer greatness what he's doing. Like people will talk about, he's probably one of the greatest jazz players to ever play the game already. And I'm like, that's above John Stockton and John um, Carl Malone. And that really, really is a, is a big statement. But to, as you said, last night, the Clippers came back and I think, I still feel like the Clippers could win this series potentially. I, I don't know if I say I'm saying I still feel like I've mentioned it before. <laughs> I feel like the Clippers still could win this series because I think Tyler is going to coach them well. And people like Kawhi Leonard and Reggie Jackson, uh, everyone else, part Paul George, <laughs> part from Paul George will step up. And I just feel like potentially, yeah, I, I still feel like the Clippers are going to win this series. But Donovan Mitchell is seriously no, Joe, I, I could not. I was so in awe watching game two. I couldn't believe how good he was. Game one as well, but game two, I just couldn't believe how good he was. And he was, and apparently he was injured. So you don't know. It was absolutely brilliant to watch him play. Yeah, I think he's, um, I think what you were saying about 
Carl uh, Malone. I think he's already tied Carl Malone's record for most 40-plus point games in the playoffs. And I think he's played like 17 or 20, like low 20s playoff games and Carl Malone played like 100 not. So it just shows the sort of the greatness that he's performing within that Utah Jazz franchise. He's under 25. Exactly. He's only just getting going, isn't he? Um, Theo, some people have been saying that this is all stemmed from Shaquille O'Neal inspiring Donovan Mitchell earlier in the season with that uh, disrespectful interview, which we were all very much against. Uh, what 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 have you to say about that line of reasoning? I, I, this is just what Donovan Mitchell. This is what we've come to expect from Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I don't credit giving Shaq any kind of credit for Spider's performance. I think really just devalues what Donovan Mitchell has accomplished and the work that he's put in um, because it is all effort. I mean, Mitchell's response in that interview in the first place sort of says it all. It was very much like, fine, okay. Like, people have been saying that all along, like, I'm just going to prove you wrong. Like, it's not the first time Donovan Mitchell's heard words like that. It's not the first time people have questioned his ability or the ability of the team or anything like that. It's not new to him. Um, their their mindset hasn't changed off the back of that. They've just wanted to, to push on and show just how capable of a, of a playoff team and certainly a, a conference contender they're capable of being. And I don't think Shaq deserves a modicum of credit for that. He'll turn around and say he was trying to push the young man. There's no... I don't. Obviously, there's a, a degree of respect between Donovan Mitchell and, and Shaquille O'Neal because there'd have to be. But at the same time, I don't think... I don't think uh, Mitchell went to bed that night losing any sleep and I don't necessarily think he's given it much thought ever since. If anything, he'll just be thinking, what a, what a clown Shaq is saying things like this when this is what I can go and do. Um, the Jazz on the whole have been superb. Uh, shout out to my boy Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, has been incredible. Um, it's there's a there's a big debate, obviously, a hot discussion. Who's the best player on the Jazz? Is it Mitchell? Is it Gobert? It's they're almost like one A and one B, I think, on that team. The uh, Gobert's impact defensively is just phenomenal. It's really hard to quantify. You look at the box score, and it's he, he always puts up a modest numbers. You wouldn't look at them and think he's superb, but just he passes the eye test. He's the definition of passing the eye test. That guy, and it, it's the way that they've, they've combined together. Uh, Mitchell and, and Gobert has been obviously it's proven proven tough for the Clippers. They've obviously nicking those early two games. It'll be good to see how the Jazz can bounce back because it was a it was a resounding victory for the Clippers, wasn't it? Last night they looked the Clippers looked good. So it'll be tough to see um, what the Jazz can do the rest of the time, particularly if they can take if they can nick a game in LA. That'll probably be uh, well for the Clippers. It'd be neither end of there, would it? Because they love a good lead to to chase or a lead to bottle so it'll be good it's just going to be an exciting series it's going to be a good one it's definitely one to watch for me i'll be looking forward to i remember there were there were there were the last two picks in the all-star games that's how mad it is donovan mitchell and devon booker i mean donovan mitchell and rudy gobert were the last two picks in the all-star games it's mad yeah, I think it's, I'm glad you brought up about Gobert. I was going to uh, mention is obviously his third defensive player of the year now joining. It's only three other players that have, have, have won that award on, on three occasions. You're right about the box score. It doesn't always show up uh, when it comes to Gobert's defensive impact. Last night, for example, he only had one steal and one block. But if there was a stat for 
um, ability to alter shots. Guys go into the lane, see that Rudy Gobert's there and dribble it back out or kick it to a shooter. They're like, oh, I don't want to get my shot. It's like, me, it's like me playing, isn't it, guys? It's like when we, when we play with each other, I'm not, I have that effect exactly. on that, guys. Uh, absolutely. Exactly. We see Vincent camped in the paint and, and we sprint, sprint the complete opposite That's direction. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. No, but that is his, his impact on that end of the floor. And the, the Jazz have got such a, a big defensive identity. It's all built around Rudy Gobert. And, and that is going to be one of the keys to them pulling out this series. But uh, we will see how that one progresses. So we'll, we'll look now at the other Western Conference series. And um, before we dive into the uh, games so far between Phoenix and Denver, we have uh, another award that's been awarded. Here um, we go. And we're just, we're just, we mentioned them all. Vincent, here we to mention them all. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Uh, Nikola Jokic has won the MVP trophy for this season. Um, resoundingly, I think we could say. Um, don't have the exact number of first place votes, but I think it was above, above sort of 85%, something like that. So most people are in agreement that Nikola Jokic has been the most valuable player this season. Um, Vincent, we know you're not. Um, it was Joel Embiid robbed. I'm not trying to say he was robbed. Nikola Jokic deserved it. There you go. I'll say that. He won the MVP, so be it. He's not my MVP. I would still say Joel Embiid is my MVP. I feel like he's more important for the Philadelphia 76ers. But Nikola Jokic, I'm never going to say to him, no, he doesn't deserve it because he does. He's been absolutely outstanding this season. Even the games he's lost in the series so far, it just shows you he's been the best player for that franchise. And yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's a well-deserved winner. Not my MVP. If I was voting, if I was one of the people voting, I would have picked Joel Embiid. But Nikola Jokic winning, as I stated, is not like a bad thing for him to have won it. So congratulations to him. Uh, first Serbian to win it. First center to first center to win it in over twenty years. Um, first player from the Denver Nuggets to win it. So well deserved, Nikola Jokic, the Joker himself. Absolutely brilliant. Um, let's let's get into the series then. Um, the Phoenix Suns have been fantastic so far. Um, both both the top two seeds in the Western Conference. There was. A lot of questions going into the playoffs. Yes, they've done very well in the regular season, but you know they've not got much experience of, of getting you know far far down into the playoffs. Are they just going to be one of those regular season teams that just flame out? So far, Phoenix have been the complete op- opposite. Obviously, knocking off the defending champions, and now already up three nil in this series um, with the chance to to finish the series off this evening uh, in Denver. Um, start with you, Vinny. Who's been the most impressive player? Uh, for the Phoenix Suns in this series so far for you? I think it's pretty obvious, Chris Paul. Uh, he's, he's ever since he's come back from his, we say, little injury scare from the Lakers game, game one. He's recovered, he's had some time off. But Chris Paul has just shown you why he's probably one of the greatest point guards to ever play this game. Why he's such a, a great demanding floor general. Because of his excellence, how he can just be, he can see everything. He can see plays he can he can he can I don't know how to describe it what's that word where he can just like intimidate players but just his presence I feel like he's intimidating players just by his presence how we can dictate fouls how we can easily when they need to have a uh, just to uh, stop the bleed from the Denver Nuggets drop a, a die or go an important two-point game or three-point he's left open too many chances I was like watching the game I was like this guy 
I don't know why no one's doubling him, but if you double him, then you have to worry about Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. So it's like, it's so hard. They've got, people say like Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, but you forget like, Chris Paul is vital to this team. Vital. Without Chris Paul, they are nothing in this team. I'm sorry. Chris Paul shows you how important he is in this franchise. And he's just been absolutely outstanding this entire series. He, he just, I think the people were shouting MVP like, Literally, he could have been in the talks for MVP, and he he was he just shows you he's absolutely brilliant, Chris Paul. And I kind of hope, I hope he's he does well, and I hope they can they can go all the way now. Yeah, he, he has been brilliant. Um, like you mentioned, he, he did have that injury scare in the first round, but he certainly seems completely um away from that now. He's he's hitting the mid range jumpers in sort of in rhythm in his normal shooting form instead of sort of flinging them up like he was doing against the Lakers um having a phenomenal impact. Um Theo, what do you think about um how Nikola Jokic has performed in this series so far? Uh, obviously very impressive stat lines, but his efficiency slightly down from what we expect from the big man. Yeah, it, it's it's tough, isn't it? Jokic is so good. He's thoroughly deserving of his MVP award. It's a question as to how well he is capable of carrying this team almost on his own. It's difficult. He's not necessarily got the style of play to be able to to drag a team to victory. While he's he, he can certainly score, defensively he's not maybe as, as capable of carrying a team. His vision is, ex- is excellent, but when he's relying on role players around him who maybe don't have the aren't as consistent as perhaps he'd need to be to to be able to overcome a, a red hot, a white hot, in fact, team like the Suns, um, obviously because it's very hot on the sun. He's it's, it's, it's in a difficult position. I think this is where lacking Jamal Murray is really sort of is showing for the, for the Nuggets. I think if he had Murray deputising with him, it'd be a totally different story. But it's difficult for any one player, I think, to to drag a team in a seven game series where they can the opposition's making make adjustments left right and center they know they, they only have the game plan for for Jokic really so it's it's tough for him but if this is injuries isn't it it's just basketball it happens to to the best teams injuries strike at the worst possible times and obviously Murray's had a a rough go of it this season but and it's a shame but we can't count, can't count the Nuggets out yet. You never know what could happen tonight. They might be able to pull it back. No teams ever come three more. Well, you say that, Vinny. Last night he he went one for six from three point land. Not not this is this is the point about his efficiency. I think Jokic obviously is that Theo rightly points out he is the only man that the only player sorry that the Suns have to really game plan for. Um, but I do think a lot of credit needs to go to DeAndre Ayton. He has had a, a very done a, a decent job defensively. The top stars in the league, you're never going to stop them, are you? But you can do your best to try and slow them down. And even though Ayton last night was a uh, well after the last game was. Marveling at Jokic's box score in the post to say, but he had 30, 20, and 10. I was gonna say, I was about to say that exactly that. Exactly. You can you can see how much Aiton admires Jokic and is like, like yeah, he's MVP. Exactly. MVP. He's blown away by the way this guy that, that he's coming up against is performing. But he's still doing doing a decent job defensively to to limit him, particularly when he's the primary defender on Jokic. I think Jokic is only shooting, I think it's like 48% or something, which is still good, but it's not the sort of 60 to 65% we're used to from, from Jokic. So I think Aiton does deserve deserve a lot of credit. Uh, Coach Michael Malone, don't call him Mike, you'll get you'll get your head bitten off. Coach Michael Malone for the Nuggets um, said that they're used to rewriting history. 
Uh, obviously, in the bubble last year, the, the first team ever to come down from 3-1 twice. No team in playoff history has ever come down from 3-0 to win the series. Uh, what chance do you give the Nuggets of even being able to extend the series? Uh, start with you, Theo. They could nick a game. It could, could always happen. You could easily see them winning one tonight and then maybe uh, generate a bit of a buzz. And who knows, if, if he can win tonight, they can, they can, they can kick on. Um, it'll be tough for them going back to... Um, so they'll be going back to Phoenix, which is obviously going to be difficult for them. Um, but you never know what that momentum could do. So you could easily see him maybe winning two games, but to win, for them to turn around and win four games in a row now, is they would essentially... It's a sweep, isn't it? They'd need to win four on the, on the bounce. It's really difficult to see it happening, um, particularly given how... What we've seen so far, how well the Suns have been able to play, and, and maybe the, the offensive deficiencies, the holes maybe that there are there on Denver's end. So, it, yeah, I can see it maybe going to six. Worst sort of best case scenario for the for the Nuggets get get a win and get some momentum. But beyond that, it's it's difficult to see. I think. Vinny, what do you reckon? Mountains are there to be climbed. Denver in seven. <laughs> no, that that would be rewriting the history. <laughs> I think I think in the the early two thousands, I think it was the Mavericks went down three 0 in a series, brought it back to three three, and then lost Game Seven. Now that to me as a fan, that would be my worst nightmare. If I was a fan of the Denver Nuggets and they got me back in, and we got all the way back to three all, and then we lost, I would be, I'd be fuming. I'd just want to lose Game Four, just go home. Don't don't give me that heartache of that Game Seven. So if they're gonna if they're gonna do it, Vinny, they've got to they've got to make sure they win that game seven on the road. Um, but yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how they turn around um, and perform for the rest of this series. Okay, we'll move over to the Eastern Conference semi-finals now. Uh, we'll start with the big one, uh, the one that was prophesied to be the NBA Finals for this season. Uh, let's let's take let's take those first two games in isolation from game three, because I think there there is sort of worlds apart between the, the, the first two and that third game. Uh, Theo, you must have been absolutely delighted with how the Brooklyn Nets slaughtered the Milwaukee Bucks, particularly in that in that game two uh, victory. What do you think was the key to that? I think you just play off Kevin Durant is is something special. A sight to behold. There's no stopping him when he gets going. There was obviously a lot of question marks He's coming back off a, a huge injury, a career ender in a lot of cases, certainly a career trajectory changer. Um, so f- there were a lot of question marks at the start of the season. Are we going to get 80% Kevin Durant? We're going to get 90%. He's, for all intents and purposes, he's come back like 105%. He's almost like better than he was when he was before his injury. Um, he certainly picked off, picked up where he left off. So I think Kevin Durant has been a huge factor in that. Part of it, I think, has got to go down to the books. Well, not the Bucks, but Budenholzer's inefficiencies when it comes to adjustments. He came out and played exactly the same game in game two uh, as he did in game one. And they paid the price and they they got beat badly as a result of it. So it's almost like a perfect storm for the Nets. The Nets, we've seen the offensive firepower that the Nets have got throughout the season. Um, Obviously, no James Harden, but even so, Kyrie, KD, even players like Blake Griffin, who for all intents and purposes were washed coming to Brooklyn, has performed sort of an incredible level. So it was almost like a perfect storm for the Nets. Um, 
even Kyrie Irving, who had a great game in that game too, didn't shoot the ball particularly well, particularly in that second half. So there was almost like, even though we played as well as we did, there was still room for improvement. So it was a great game for to watch as a Nets fan because you just felt so positive going forward that there were still these areas to improve. Obviously, no, we knew that the Bucks were going to come out swinging, particularly in game three, back on home court um, with, a, with a full crowd. So we knew it was going to be tough, but... Um, Game one and two, game two were just an, a, a dream, I think, as far as being a fan goes. Yeah, I can certainly understand that one. Um, Chris Middleton, Vinny, has really struggled in those first two games. What did you think about his performance? I think he finally realised that he has to step up more because Chris Middleton has always got that kind of criticism that he's not a good number two. Because sometimes Yanis, look, Yanis, we know what Yanis can do. Yanis can step up when he needs to. Yanis, I don't know what he averages, but Yanis, you know, he can drop 35. You know that he can even drop that on anyone. But with Chris Middleton, sometimes he doesn't step up enough. Like he doesn't take on that responsibility enough to go, look, I need to step up if if he doesn't turn up. I'm not trying to say he he doesn't do it sometimes. Like sometimes he's had game winners. He's had important things. He's been important plays for the Bucs. But game three came out did his job, show what he, he can still do. He's still a very good player. Um, but I was more impressed with everything with the Bucks. They basically stood their ground, really. They realised that we can't just lie over and take that because I heard people slating the Bucks after game two, even us in the pod. We were like, Jared, I think you tweeted out saying, you, you were shocked you said the Bucks is six or something. Did you say like the Bucks is six? I might have done. I thought, I yeah, thought yeah. that was my original so, prediction. Yeah. It's not even with me. I said boxing seven. We After watching game two, we were like, what was that? That was the most embarrassing thing you'll ever see as a box fan. So they had to step up. They knew they had to step up and they did a little bit. So the game, could it, it could still go anyway. It's like even I saw the interview with KD afterwards where he was asked like a silly question. And he was like, "Do you did you think you were going to come back this good? And he's like, he goes, is that a serious question? Uh, what do you want me to say to that? Of course, I knew I was going to come back. But he still kind of appreciated the Bucs because the Bucs are still a good team. They're, they're the number three seed for a reason. They're a good team. So you've got to put some respect on them and you've got to realise that they can take some games from you. So the Nets need to focus and realise Harden's out as well. I don't know if he's coming back for game four, but... Is he still not coming back for game four? Wow. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. We heard it right here. <laughs> so it's just one of those, but what's it called? Harden out game for game four. It couldn't it could give the the, uh, the the boxing incentive. So it's, it's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. I still feel like the boxing seven. I, I'm still going to say it, boxing seven. I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. No, actually, no. I actually want that to happen. What am I about? Boxing seven, ladies and gentlemen. I'd be interested to know, Vinny, what you've seen out of those first three games that makes you think the Bucks can win another three games against Brooklyn. Why not? Why not? Mountains are there to be climbed, Theo. We, th- we all sat here a couple of weeks ago. We didn't think the Lakers would go out the first round. Did any of us think the Lakers going to go out first round? No. No, but when we saw the Lakers down bad, we didn't then think, oh, we've seen loads of, of things that inspire confidence from this Lakers team. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that the Nets, the thing, see, last time me and you had a, a long discussion, Phil, uh, last week, so we don't have another one like this. But all I'm just trying to say yeah, is... some James of us have Harden, got barbecues to go to. James Harden, James Harden being out and Jeff Green being out 
That place yeah, Vinny, we, we, sm- we smashed them up with no Jeff Green and no James Harden. Absolutely terrorised. Game three then. What happened game three is the Nets shot probably the worst basketball they will ever shoot all season. And they still only scored 86 points. The best offense in the league scored 86 points for the second game in a trot on the trot. And the Nets shot lights on. Joe Harris, arguably one of the best three. No, not arguably. One of the best three point shooters in the league went one for 11 on the floor. That's never going to happen again. Proper touches deals now. I don't mind the Nets being slated for like slack. Like slanderous purposes. If you just want to, like, if you want to go sick I'm on me, just say you're boxing seven or so. There's just no basis for that. You can't have watched those games and thought, oh, yeah, Yannick, the way Yannick is shooting, we that have free all throw, said, he we've could really sat, pull the series listen, back. The all three of us sat here. No, no, but there, we've all sat here, three of us, and we've all unanimously said yes to that. And then when the games come and it's been an absolute joke, we, we were like, wow, what just happened? So that's why I'm just thinking like that. We, you, you can never call basketball. You, sometimes you just can't call the games. Like, you never know what could happen. Anything can happen. So that's why I'm going to stick to boxing seven. But hopefully the Nets proved me wrong, which they probably will. I think the only saving grace, I mean, I, I'm with Theo, to be honest, like, Watching the first three games of this series, it, it doesn't feel like Milwaukee can beat Brooklyn four times. Um, the only saving grace, I would say, is that so far the Bucks haven't had a good game. Even even in their win, they, they didn't play, play well. You mentioned, Theo, that the Nets shot the ball terribly. Uh, they were 36.2% from the field. The Bucks were 38% from the field. Terrible. 20% from three. I think for the series, I think the highest three-point shooter is like 31% or something like that, which is dreadful. So the Bucks still haven't played well as a team. Yes, Yanis and Middleton did very well in that game three win, but the rest of the team, the highest points was Drew Holiday with only nine. He had another tough game from the floor. So the Bucks do still have an opportunity to play well, but if, if they're going to win this series, Yanis needs to stop taking threes because every time he does that, it's, it's never... It, he hits one and it's like, oh my, you're surprised that it goes in. And that is just such a terrible philosophy for, for the books to try and implement to try and win this series. Yeah, I saw a, a very poignant tweet that said, as a, as a basketball team, as a basketball player individually, you want to manipulate the defence into things that they don't want to have to do. And the Nets defence wants to have to try and guard Giannis shooting threes. He's playing exactly into the Nets' hands by jacking up that three ball. We know you think he can shoot, Vinny, but wowee, your opinion must have changed having watched this series. Like, he's playing right into the Nets' hands. What There's got to be some sort of coaching deficiency. If Bud's not turning around to Giannis and saying, dude, stop doing it. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Like... It's, there's, it, there becomes a point where it's no longer like an open three is that it becomes a bad shot. It was, it's, a, it's a genuinely bad decision for, for Yanis to shoot that three ball. And maybe they will adjust. Maybe Yanis will stop shooting or maybe they'll start dropping. But it doesn't look like it. I mean, something, something's going on. He's in his own head massively, particularly when it comes to, to jump shooting at the moment. From his, I think he's something like four for 15 or something from the free throw line. In the, through the series, uh, hit one for six or one for eight or something ridiculous from three in that game three. So he's definitely something going on, but he's playing directly into the net's hand if he carries on carries on doing that because that's exactly the shot they want to see from from Giannis. And I think through, through the first game of the series, it might change now, but through the first two games, Giannis had shot more threes than free throws, which, I mean... It, no, nobody can stop Giannis when he's going in, into the rim unless they try and sort of take a charge. Like, he's, he's great at drawing contact. So 
he, he has that ability. Get to the free throw line 15, 20 times a game. If you hit 10 of them, then yeah, it's a bad percentage, you might say, but it's better than going one for eight from three where you only get three points. Like Just, just get in there and dominate. And he needs to stop taking sweet time in the free throw line. My oh. days. Honestly, he's one of the few players that takes you. I've, I've, in the space of like a week, couple of weeks, he's the only player that I've seen multiple times called up for the 10 second counts. I'm like, can't just hurry up in the free and throw it, line, Giannis, honestly. And it's not even 10 seconds. Like the one that he got called for was 13 seconds because obviously the referees hasn't got a stopwatch. They've just got a to that count in the head and it's, yeah, it's come on Yanis come on Yanis yeah he needs to sort it out to, to extend this series our final series that we want to get into is uh, the Philadelphia 76ers against the Atlanta Hawks bit of a surprise in game one uh, Atlanta had a an incredible uh, first half in particular um, still managed to nearly cough up the, the lead right down uh, in the clutch but um, escaped with a game one victory uh, since then it's been uh, Embiid time Vinny you must be uh, impressed with how Embiid's been playing so far in this series that's why he's my MVP uh, no, as I say no disrespect to Jokic in any way but for me this is why he's really really stepped up for the 76ers he's their most key player for that franchise he's everything everything runs through him I personally think like, I, he's one of those players you can trust when he goes he, he goes do I mean he's, he's, he, I don't know I don't know what his efficiency is maybe as you could look into that but he's just so prolific he's prolific in the paint the perimeter mid-range post-up what, what can't he do it's like what can he not do maybe defend he can't, he's not the best defender in the world but he's got Ben Simmons to take care of that so I'm like he's just so unbelievable he's so good he's literally a powerhouse like game one I don't I, I, obviously we know I didn't watch game one I don't know what, how bad he must have been in game one but ever since the last couple, the last three games I've seen him play, what is it, three games or two games? Two games, sorry. He's been absolutely outstanding. Outstanding. He's absolutely been brilliant. The thing, I just don't get why they're allowing him get to the free throw line so much that the Atlanta Hawks, they need to stop that. They really need to, because he's so prolific at the free throw line and they need to calm him down. That's the, um, they, they, they try double teaming him. That doesn't work because he's a good passer. Then you got players like Tobias Harris, whose game two was absolutely outstanding, but maybe game three wasn't the best, but not awful. But game two was absolutely brilliant as well. Then you got Ben Simmons, who's just the seven to sixers look deadly. They really look good right now. Oh, what am I on about? Seth Curry. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Theo, I think you were right about this guy. <laughs> this brother can shoot. This brother can shoot. I couldn't believe game two. Like, as soon as he gave him the ball in the perimeter, you knew he was going to shoot the three and he was going to score. I think he only missed, like, one that entire game in game two. It was outstanding. So, yeah, the 76ers look brilliant, guys. I'm sorry, Hawks fans out there, but the 76ers look like they could do this in five. The reason why um, Embiid feasts so much from the free throw line is that he's essentially the, the sensor version of Trey Young. He is very much the master of the art of foul baiting. Um, the way he's very, obviously not as bad. He's not stopped backing into defenders. He's not jumping backwards to draw contact, but he will. He's superb at hooking the defender's arm, perhaps more akin to James Harden than, than Trey Young. If he, he hooks defender's arms every single time, he, he almost gets a little bit of a pass for it, really, because he, he really does do it an awful lot. I'd, I'd love to know where he sits with regards to um, like fouls drawn, like 
percentage wise, he's got to be maybe top five easily, probably maybe even top three in the league as far as fouls drawn goes, uh, shooting fouls anyway, because he's just a, a master of the art. And I mean, fair play to him, it is part of the game. And it's not as bad as jumping backwards into defenders who literally can't get out of the way. I suppose it, it makes a point if the defender puts an arm in a position where it can get hooked, then maybe, to maybe just defend smarter. So it's not. It's not as offensive to the eye, maybe, as, as someone like Trey Young. And it is, as I say, more akin to James Harden, who, if the defender makes a mistake, he's, he's a very good at exploiting it. Um, so, But he, he, the man shoots a lot of free throws, and, and he can bury him. Like It's not like a Yanis situation where he's missing almost all of them, taking, like Usain Bolt can set a, a world record for um, 100 metres faster than Yanis than can shoot a free throw. Like That's not the case with Embiid. Um, so, I mean, respect to Embiid. It's, a, it's part of the game and it's something that he's mastered very well and it, it, it suits him well. And I, I, I'm, I can't hate as much as maybe I should. But, Jazz, uh, Jazz did, you, did, you, did you see that, that, that next bias there from Theo about James Harden? Literally, he slates Trey Young, but the biggest person in the entire league known for this is James Harden. And James Harden's way of doing it is, is is okay. It's okay how James Harden does it. But for Trey Young, nah. nah. I've, ex- but- I've explained it in the past, Vinny, and I explained it just then. Trey Young jumps backwards into defenders who physically James Harden never does that, does he, Theo? No, Harden James, Harden, James Harden will wait for the defender to extend their arm slightly and then and then hook the, their arm, which obviously is still foul baiting. It's still not exactly the way the game's intended to be played. But if you're the defender, don't reach. Like, don't reach and then Harden can't make you foul him. If you if Trey Young goes around the screen on the pick and roll, what's the, what's his defender supposed to do? Like just never pursue him. Like physically, what can the defender do to avoid Trey Young jumping backwards into him? That's my issue. Trey Young didn't really do that in the playoffs, so I can't really complain too much. In the same way, James Harden's free throws uh, have gone right down since he t- came to Brooklyn. So yes. Maybe there is some net bias in there, but also at the same time, I'm not having to sit there and watch James Harden shoot 14 free throws a game like he did when he was in Houston. So what can you do? You can't really blame me, can you? Let, before we go then, um, let's let's predict what the uh, conference finals are going to look like. Um, we'll, we'll start with the the Western Conference. Who do you see progressing out, out in the West there? I'm sticking my neck out. I'm saying Suns Jazz in the in the finals and I fancy the Phoenix Suns to take that in seven games it's going to be a right ding dong do excellent wow um, I'm, I'm going to say that it's going to be the Suns against the Clippers in the conference finals and uh, give me the Clippers to progress to the finals in six games I think um, remarkably none of the teams in the West have ever won an NBA championship so uh, what and obviously the Brooklyn Nets have never won an NBA championship, so we could have a, a brand new champion this year, but we will see. Vinny, what are you saying in the West? Suns versus the Clippers. Even though I did say the but oh, the Nuggets here in seven, but you know I was only joking. Suns, Suns. If you predict Clippers. everything, you, you've got to be right with at least one of them, haven't you? So I'm going to say Suns versus Clippers in the conference finals. Yeah, and in the Eastern Conference, uh, I'll pick it off. Uh, it pains me, but it is going to be the Brooklyn Nets coming up against the Philadelphia 76ers, I think. And I've, I've got about the 76ers now. I mean, I started off wanting the Celtics. I think the Celtics were going to win, then it was the Bucks. So I'm just moving to the next team. So come on, Philly. Trust that process. Uh, 76ers in seven. Uh, Vinny, what do you reckon? Um, I'm going to go Bucks and 76ers. <laughs> uh. 
dear. Fox versus 76ers, ladies and gentlemen. Come on! He's like Trey Young out there, just baiting the defender into a foul. Theo, so, yeah, what's, what's your uh, comeback? Um, I'm expecting to see in the finals the Nets against the 76ers, uh, the series of which the Nets will win in seven. Seven, wow. Game seven victory in Philly coming up for Brooklyn. Then. Yeah, so exciting stuff. It's been it's been another great week. Uh, obviously, a shortened episode this week to allow uh, Vinny to spread his social butterfly wings. Um, but yeah, uh, we hope you continue to enjoy listening to us. Please subscribe, share with uh, all the family that Vincent normally lists. And um, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. It's, it's been your boy Vincent. Boxing seven, ladies and gentlemen. Love you, Theo. But boxing seven. Be better double Vinny after this, so... <laughs>